3: Hi everyone and welcome back to the Squidly Career Podcast for Amazing If. Each week myself, Helen Tupper and my co-founder Sarah Ellis Hi. are here to help everyone have a happy career. We take some of the challenges and decisions that we know everyone is faced with at some point in their career and we share our experiences and some tips that you can action and also some resources that we think can help you explore. Sarah and I spent over 30 years between us working in sales and marketing roles for big companies and for small companies and we've been running Amazing If Now alongside those jobs for over five years and we're using all of that experience to bring our insights together into these weekly podcasts for you so hopefully you'll find something that can help you in your career. This week we're going to be talking about difficult conversations. Hopefully this isn't something you're faced with every day but we do know that when you're faced with difficult conversations they can feel really really challenging and affect even the most confident of people. And we both had lots of experience of difficult conversations and, and hopefully learned some things from it that were will, will useful for you. So let's get started. Sarah, what's your experience of difficult conversations? <laughs>
2: so actually we were chatting about this before today when we were getting some examples ready to talk about and in lots of ways I find this hard to even come up with examples because I don't like having difficult conversations. <laughs> so my default mode on difficult conversations is avoidance but that absolutely isn't the way to go so I don't I don't recommend following that that approach at all. But I can definitely talk from the perspective of somebody who does there's something that, you know, preoccupy me. I'd spend lots of time worrying about them, and I'd get myself, you know, kind of really het up before having a difficult conversation. I think the ones I find hardest are where you're not expecting them. So if you've had time to prepare, it somehow just feels a bit easier because you can think about what you're going to say, you can maybe practice it. But I've had quite a few experiences in my career where a conversation has become a difficult conversation and it it was something I wasn't ready for. And what I really feel I learned from those is that actually you need to work out how to react in the right way. So because you can't prepare, because you don't know it's coming, my natural default when I'm faced with that kind of challenging conversation is to become more and more introverted. So the first thing I'd say is, when a difficult conversation happens that you're not expecting, work out how you respond. Do you get aggressive some people mm-hmm. I see get, get very aggressive very quickly some people get really defensive uh, some people like me get you get quite quiet and, and withdrawn and then work out almost what's your coping strategy because I don't think you need to be amazing in these conversations because you know it's a tough situation but you do need to work out how do you make sure you still come out of that conversation understanding more than when you started and my, my approach has become asking questions mm. I just find that rather than stopping to talking completely or getting defensive, if I just go on to a kind of mode of thinking, okay, I wasn't ready for this. I just need to understand because I wasn't ready. I'd obviously not anticipated it. I'm just gonna ask as many questions as I can. I'm not gonna try and come up with any answers. And I'll try and just make sure that by the end of this conversation, I've understood why this has ended up being a difficult conversation. And as long as I've done that, I'll then worry about what I need to do next Mm -hmm. afterwards.
3: I think as well, questions can give you sometimes a bit of distance and also some time to think because I think the problem with difficult conversations is they can be loaded with emotion. And then that, it just takes away your objectivity and your ability to have a a, a reasoned conversation. And all those things you're talking about, defensiveness, suddenly, suddenly come in. So sometimes just asking a question, both because it's a way of just calming down that conversation also gives you just time to think and just think hang on how am i really responding to this how do i remove some of the emotion that is not helping me or this conversation move forward
2: yeah and a few good questions i've seen other people use and that i've basically stolen <laughs> is some very senior people i've often seen who who probably the more senior you are, you are i guess often you don't know what conversations are going to be because you're pulled in so many different directions And I worked for somebody who used to sort of say, um, oh, tell me a bit more about that. Mm. Or, oh, can you just talk to me a bit more about that? And actually sometimes it wasn't because it was a difficult conversation, but it was clearly a response to, I maybe haven't quite understood or I wasn't expecting you to talk about this. Can you just tell me a bit more about that? Gives the other person the opportunity as well to really explain and explore everything they want to get off their chest. Mm -hmm. And you almost need to do that before you can move on. Mm. So you're just checking that somebody has told you everything they feel like they need to tell you. Mm-hmm. So that that's one really good question. And then the other good question that I found quite helpful is often asking something that starts with why. So, you know, why do you think that's happened? You know, why do you think you feel like that? Or, you know, what are your observations about this situation? Mm-hmm. So that again, you're asking somebody to give their personal perspective, their point of view. And that can sometimes help you as well with then what you need to do in terms of solutions. Because if you know the why, Mm -hmm. like why someone's upset, why someone's disappointed, why someone thinks something should be done in a different way, actually, you might then have some empathy or sympathy with that point of view and Mm -hmm. think, actually, I can understand that now. And even if you've got a different point of view, at least you know the why. Mm -hmm. So I think, tell me more about that. and, And asking why are basically my two default questions as part of my coping strategy for really hating
3: difficult conversations and just I think one build on the word why that I learned from a coach a while ago is you have know, to be really careful with how you phrase a why question to somebody mm. because sometimes they can be defensive in response yeah. to it so if you're going well, why do you think that in that kind of term yeah. uh, that that kind of way of positioning it someone it can sort of put someone's back up and you might not it might not help you to reduce that emotion that we're talking about so I think you know what's important to you about this that's interesting what's your perspective on it sometimes yeah. it's, it's it's essentially the why question but it softens it sometimes it depends on the individual and well, i think sometimes the emotion of the conversation but i think why is a very powerful question it's really insightful but sometimes you can use it in a way that sometimes makes someone else be defensive if, it, if it's sort of justifying their point
2: yeah I, I think actually that's a really good perspective i think maybe it's you're trying to ask a why question but you're actually using the word what
3: Mm. because as
2: you were just talking there I was thinking actually probably you do end up using what Mm. like what do you think what else can you tell me Mm -hmm. you know what do you think we should do Mm -hmm. all feels probably more collaborative and kind of softer than well why Why do you think that? why do you think that why do you think we should do this so you are trying to understand and kind of broadly that is about the why but I think you're right that's a really good perspective. What else has been difficult for you conversationally? Um, So slightly different so a difficult conversation that I was really prepared for was when I was working at Sainsbury's uh, I decided I wanted to work a four-day week so that I could work on Amazing If and there's not very many other people I know within any organisations who work flexibly so that they can also run their own business on the side. Agreed. (laughs) And so that felt like a really big deal to ask to do that. So I was still really motivated in my job at Sainsbury's. I loved what I did. I loved who I worked for. But equally, it was really important to me to have an extra day to spend on on the work that we do together. And I was so nervous about this conversation. I'd made lots of assumptions Mm -hmm. about the organisation, the response I was going to have. I'd massively overprepared. I mean, I'd done a PowerPoint presentation about why four days a week was such a positive thing for everyone with diagrams. We should we should put that online. I know we'd like we, that. We definitely, definitely should not. I really hope I haven't got it. It was awful. And it then also distracted me. So it was actually, it wasn't good for my work, it wasn't good generally. And almost then when I had the conversation, it was probably one of the easier conversations I've ever had with my line manager at the time, who very quickly understood what I was asking, didn't need all the explanation. And actually, I probably already knew that she'd never be able to say yes there and then. She was always going to have to go and talk to some of the people. And so really, that was a 10 to 15-minute conversation where I needed to explain what it was I wanted to do and why I wanted to do it, and give her the information she needed, answer any questions she'd got, because it was always going to be a bit of a few-step process. Mm -hmm. But I had made it into my mind into a difficult conversation... And also just had put loads of barriers and assumptions up. And then actually still had the conversation. It was really positive, which I think really threw me for a start. I didn't quite, quite know how to react. And then actually, then we had subsequent conversations, all of which were, again, really positive. And so I think one of my kind of observations sometimes is just be careful to not always assume something is going to be difficult. Actually, until you have the conversation, you actually don't know how people are going to react. And often people are more positive or more understanding Mm. than you perhaps think they will be because in your head it's so important you've really kind of made it massive you know and so it it starts to dominate all of your thinking.
3: One of the things I try to do as a manager, by the way, in no way a perfect manager, but one of the things I do try to do in my one-to-ones with my team is ask them where they want to start the conversation because sometimes I find that somebody might have something that they want to talk about that to them is a yeah. very a very difficult thing. And I've had conversations with people for an hour, which has been all about what's going on at work and that we need to work on this. And at the end, I'll say, anything else? And then this thing that they've wanted to talk about the entire meeting, yeah. you do in like two minutes at the end. And it's meant that you don't give that really important what might be a difficult conversation to them enough time and also they've probably spent the other 55 minutes of that meeting thinking about when can I talk to Helen about this thing how can I do this thing so I now try to create the space for someone else to lead that conversation say what's most important to you what do you want to talk about today so that if somebody has got this difficult thing in their mind I've created the space and hopefully a climate where it's comfortable for them to talk to me about that. So if you're a manager, I would really encourage you to help people to not feel that difficult conversations should be so difficult to start.
2: Yeah, I think that is so true. I am definitely someone who has something to talk about and does everything else first. Mm. Because if you find it hard, you do everything else first because it's easier Mm -hmm. and you're working your way up to it. And I have definitely had conversations where then I never get to it. And I just, I basically bottle it Mm -hmm. and think oh no, I can't do it, I'll do it next time. But then you come away from that feeling really frustrated yes, and your totally. manager can't do anything about that because if yeah. you even know
3: you yeah. had it, I'm going to start doing that. That's a really good question. I do it very much in, you know, the very formal development reviews because I always feel yeah. like people have got like a, I'd like to be Burning promoted thing. or I'd yeah. I, like to go to this other job and I just think I'd just rather talk about that because you're, you're not going to listen to anything else meaningfully that we're going to talk yeah. about if that's what you're coming to this meeting with, so... Okay, so what about
2: you? I, I sense you're probably slightly more comfortable than me usually having these kind of conversations. would you say?
3: I don't know, you know, so or maybe I'm just better at them. <laughs> I don't know that either, so Sarah and I come at things quite quite differently because Sarah's a bit more of an introvert. I'm more of an extrovert, but I irritate myself with my lack of confidence with difficult conversations because I don't like that about myself. I really want to be bold and confident about all the conversations I have, but you attach so much emotional significance to certain things, which for me might be, you know, giving someone some challenging feedback or asking for something that I think, oh, this is someone's going to say no to me. You attach so much to it in your head, so many assumptions, so much emotion that I go through the inner monologue of, oh, what are they going to say? How much can I prepare? And I think a couple of instances and experiences that I've had of this, the first one was I had a really difficult relationship with a manager a couple of years ago. And I wanted to give that manager some feedback because I was actually feeling really unhappy about the dynamic and it was affecting my work, I think it was affecting how I was managing my team and the workload and I just didn't feel like I had the control that I wanted to have to do my best work. And we had you know, a bit of friction between us in that relationship and that conversation felt so difficult for me and I, I actually had a coach at the time and I was trying to prepare for it and... Ultimately, I had the conversations. So I feel quite proud that I had the yeah, conversation, yeah. but there was a lot of angst that yeah. went into it. And so I think what I learned from that was really difficult conversations. It helps to do some preparation. So to sit down and to think, actually, what am I trying to ask? What am I trying to get out of this conversation rather than just to, just to go in it and splurge? So I quite like a bit of structure generally, yeah. and it helped me to think about what do I want to get out of this conversation beforehand, write down a couple of points. So this is how I'm feeling. This is what I think could be done differently. What do you think? And almost have those steps in my mind. Yeah. And then in the conversation, I, I had—I can't remember how to it written down. I've, I had at sort of the bullet points I wanted to go through. But I remember I had a pen and paper. And so that when the, the manager was sort of responding to me, I was just writing down the notes and... It gave me a little bit of objectivity. You know, we're talking about it took that emotion out. The fact that I was listening in order to sort of write it down, it just created a bit of distance so that I wasn't being... My instant reaction wasn't to respond and to justify and to defend. It was just to write it down and almost acknowledge it and say, okay this is your perspective, this is how I'm feeling. It just just helped me to get a bit of distance. So I think my, my lesson there was sometimes those really difficult conversations, they are not as bad as you think you're going to be. You prepare for them and have that structure in your mind so that you can have a bit of a flow to the conversation and not get lost in the emotion. My other observation, just listening to you there talk
2: about how you would react to having that kind of conversation goes back to the, think about what kind of personality you are. So I think what you'd observe there was your natural reaction to having that kind of difficult conversation with a manager might be to respond too quickly. Mm. So you'd put in a kind of mechanism to stop that happening. Absolutely. And so for you that was, I'm going to force myself to pause by writing some stuff down. Yes. Now if you're the opposite way round and you think, actually I'm I'm someone who kind of puts my head down, I don't make eye contact, et cetera, that's where maybe you, you make sure you do the opposite. Your questions you, you the mentioned question. earlier. So I think just having difficult conversations ends up being a really personal thing depending on which bits you find hard. Mm. So think for yourself about what are the barriers for me? What's holding me back from difficult conversations? And then how can I put in these small little almost like tips and tricks Mm -hmm. that will just mean I get the most from the conversation.
0: Planning for your next trip?
1: stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at hellofresh.com let's get this dinner party started and I think a different experience for me
3: that I also find difficult and I'm trying to really work on this is giving people feedback that often feels like a difficult conversation to do particularly I'm I'm talking about the feedback that might be a bit more challenging which is ultimately to help somebody to grow and develop But I think you, in my mind, I'm thinking, oh, how is this person going to be respond? I really want to be really direct because actually when I've had feedback that's really direct, you kind of might breathe in a bit at first and go, oh, a little bit painful, but really, really effective. Sarah gives me that feedback. (laughs) (laughs) It's really, really useful. And I sort of, I know how valuable that feedback is. So I, I want to give that to other people, but I'm so aware of how they might feel about it that I just think, I again, have the internal monologue what am I trying to say? How am I going to deliver it? Don't make it too soft, but then don't make it too hard and you just yeah. kind of get into this thing. But I think more recently, I actually have been listening to an audiobook called Radical Candor and it has talked about how actually you're not really helping other person when you soften that message yeah. so that they can't, hear what you're trying to say to them you're not helping them to grow and actually you're doing them a disservice and it's more about you it's more about how you feel yeah, you're protecting yourself absolutely aren't you? absolutely so it's actually quite selfish um they call it ruinous empathy is right. what they call it but like <laughs> yeah it's almost like so like you're being so empathetic about their feelings that you're actually it's almost quite ruinous to them you're not helping yeah. them develop and it's inherently. A selfish thing to do and I think when you frame that sort of difficult conversation like that so actually this is you're being selfish by not giving someone this feedback and actually being as direct and specific as possible is a way of helping that person as long as you're not you know being really aggressive and mean about it you find a way to do it that just feels quite neutral that's more about them and I think framing those difficult conversations like that in my mind have really helped me to just relook at how I share that feedback with somebody whereas before I might have felt a bit more uncomfortable about doing it
2: and one of my observations around feedback which I actually don't think very many individuals or organizations are brilliant at I don't think there are that many examples I can think of mm. yeah I think people are starting to now appreciate the value of it but it is hard isn't it it's a hard thing yeah. to get right Often the reason people don't have these kind of difficult conversations around feedback is you worry about how people are going to respond. Mm -hmm. There's a lot of, well, I, I could be direct, as you've just described, but then what happens if somebody walks out of the room, bursts into tears, has those kind of reactions? And I think the other thing you have to remember is that you can't control how somebody is going to respond. The only thing you can control is how you deliver that feedback And doing it in the best way possible with the best intentions of wanting that person to grow and develop. Mm -hmm. And if you do everything you just described, then that's actually you have done your job Mm. and done that really well. Someone might still burst into tears, Mm. but that's not because you've not done a good job. Um, And I think that's often one of the things that people get scared about with difficult feedback and difficult conversations is, well, how is someone else going to respond? And you just have to be careful not to take
3: kind of personal accountability for somebody else's responses That's such a good point I think Sarah's so good at uh, giving feedback so as, as, as you, uh, you sort of go I felt like I've got a little a little lesson there a really really good point about accountability for someone else's feelings I haven't thought about it like that before okay so maybe let's move on to some specific tips for people yeah. then that we might not have touched on so far what what of yours
2: definitely practice number one so if you know you've got a difficult conversation like the feedback we just talked about or you can prepare Saying it, and when I say practice, I mean saying it out loud. Mm. Um, I find it incredibly valuable because, A, it stops the fluff. It stops me um, doing too much stuff around the edges, mm. you know, which I suppose is kind of the same thing. And it just means that I can practice the, what am I going to say in what order and make sure I say the most important thing first. Mm-hmm. So I think, let you know, always do that. And I think, secondly, finding someone who can help you almost as part of this process he's probably not involved in the process interesting so I remember particularly one guy who I'm really good friends with who knew I found difficult conversations hard he almost became my kind of like go-to person when I was about to have a difficult conversation so I'd almost tell him I was going to do it yeah it would also make me do it because I told him yeah I'd go off and do it he'd be nothing to do with it and then afterwards he'd be like okay so how did it go yeah. you're right yeah. do you want a coffee and we'd have like a quick five ten minute chat And over the course of a couple of years, and he was somebody I trusted, he knew me really well, I got so much better at those kind of conversations because I had somebody sort of waiting in the wings, Mm. A, to hold me to account, to sort of say, have you done it? And secondly, to say, like, well done, what could have gone better? And just somebody probably who is on your side when you're doing something quite tough is quite helpful. So yeah, Mr. Hampson, if you're out there (laughs) listening, uh, you know who you are. And um, I would always be grateful. And he's very good at this as well. So I also picked someone who was very good at this. Yeah. So he could actually also give me some practical advice
3: as well as just being a supportive person so maybe this, this the secondary tip in there is the have a look at people that you think do this well yeah, because that, that could be the person yeah. that could really help you I think mine we touched on earlier is about be prepared to listen so when you're having a difficult conversation sometimes you can almost over script it in your mind I think so I'm going to say this I'm going to assume they're going to respond like yeah. this and then this is what I'm going to say and then and then you kind of you know you predetermine it and actually you need to you need to start with articulating how you feel or whatever that message is and then you just need to create some space for them to talk and you might acknowledge what they're saying but you don't need to you don't need to respond you don't need to justify Mm. and I think don't sort of script that entire conversation just script the start of it for you and also understand what you want to get out of the end of it yeah so I think on that point really listen listen to the actual words people
2: are saying Mm. I have got that wrong quite a few times Mm. because I've made assumptions so just stop and listen so maybe only when we talked about practice maybe the bit you say out loud is the first bit mm-hmm. because actually maybe if you practice too much you're making too many assumptions yeah so yeah maybe work out how to start starting is usually the hardest bit yeah and then just think and then I'm just going
3: to see see how it goes from there and then just have a listening and questioning yeah. kind of mindset that you're going to go with and then my last thing is about rewarding yourself because oh, yeah. I think we we build these up in our minds and you know it's Sarah and I are talking about it now but we do this as well. We're, not, we're, not, we're yeah. not perfect at this. It's kind of what we're learning about it, but we build... I think it's relatively clear we're not perfect, by the way. I don't think we need to sort of state that. <laughs> all of our podcasts <laughs> yeah. are sharing all of our experiences. Yeah. But I think, yeah, you still build them up in your mind and I think it's just good afterwards to acknowledge what you've that you've done it. You've had that conversation. That's quite a big step. You could have just kept this in your mind and not said anything and you've, you've not moved forward, but the fact that you've actually confronted something that you feel difficult requires some reward and whatever that reward looks like for you, whether it is going for a walk outside or going to grab a coffee or listening to a podcast or leaving work early whatever it is I think just consciously give yourself a pat on the back and acknowledge that you have done something that you found quite difficult because I think then it just makes it a bit easier next time because you can lean on that fact and think well it wasn't so bad last time actually I feel a bit more confident in doing this next time
2: yeah I think that's a really good one any resources that you'd
3: recommend for people if they want to read or watch any other stuff on this? Yeah, there's a couple that I found that I think are quite useful for people. So the first one is a video which is on Lean In's website and it's about difficult conversations and it's got a discussion guide. So if you just search oh. for Lean In and the uh, difficult conversations discussion guide, that would be a good one. It's a good, uh, sounds like a good resource. Um, also, it's quite a nice worksheet to go through. Um, this one is on, I know, it depends work what you sheet. like. I know it sounds a bit retro, but I think it depends how people want deeply want to go into this so if you want to start thinking about it and doing a few exercises there's someone called judy ringer and she is a power and presence trainer which I think mm. sounds really impactful and she has got a checklist for powerful conversations and openings um yeah. so again that's on judy ringer's um website and the last thing is an, an article from harvard business review And it's got some really good examples about how other people approach difficult conversations. The article is called How to Handle Difficult Conversations at Work, and that's on Harvard Business Review's website. Great
2: stuff. So uh, that's everything for this week. If you are having a difficult conversation, good luck. Our thoughts are with you. Yes. (laughs) Um, I hope it goes well, and I hope some of the ideas and things that we've talked about today are useful. Uh, next week we're going to be talking about a subject very close to our hearts which is side projects and how to start a side project what are the barriers to doing it why you should even bother doing one in the first place and obviously to kind of preempt it we're massive advocates so (laughs) not one to listen to if you want to say why not to do one we're very much uh, supportive of the the, uh, side project please do stay in touch Um, as always you can follow us on instagram Send us your ideas for any future episodes at amazing underscore if or email us at ifcom We're really keen to make sure we cover the topics that are important to you in your careers, in your personal development. Um, so please tell us what you'd like us to discuss. And thanks very much for listening. We'll see you next week. Goodbye. Bye.